This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the Resurrection Sunday worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, April 9th, 2023. The title of the message is The Name Above All Names. We now come to uh, the pre- reading and preaching of God's Word. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We uh, continue through our morning series, and these uh, passages, verses 5 through 11, the classic passages on the humiliation and exaltation of Christ, uh, fell exactly on these days, and uh, we went through verses 5 to 8 on the humiliation of Christ, uh, the crucifixion of Christ on Good Friday, and now we look at the second half of uh, his, resur- his exaltation, uh, his resurrection on this um, Sunday morning. Well, if you would, um, <clears throat> since we've prayed for the, the reading and preaching, hear now then God's word beginning in verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. In medieval medieval times, catapults were uh, used to shoot a projectile high into the air against their enemies, usually to try to break down uh, uh, fortress or castle walls. And like a giant bow and arrow, uh, kinetic energy uh, was stored in the tension of a rope or in in gears. But in order for you to, to use that and utilize that kinetic energy, you had to pull the bucket down, you know, almost like, a, um, like, like pulling the, the string of a bow. You had to pull the bucket down and hold it with a set of, of levers and gears. And so with every clink of the gear, the greater the kinetic energy. And the greater the kinetic energy, the more explosive the power when, it, when it's released. And the more explosive the power, the higher the projectile, the more, the more, uh, the greater the projectile would go. And so, when the bucket was lowered to its lowest, the kinetic energy went up to its highest. And then, when it was released, the projectile would go as high as it could go. This is the gospel physics, if you will, behind. Uh, the humiliation and exaltation of Christ in our passage this morning. That on Good Friday, we saw how low Jesus had to go in order to, to die for us. But the turning point in his death and burial, and after three days then, is when his, that all that gospel kinetic energy was released, and he was shot up and exalted and given a name above all names. That the lower he went, the higher he would go. And in this gospel, it set that that downward humiliation, set the stage 
that would catapult him upward in glorious exaltation, beginning with the resurrection. And this is what we remember, this is what we celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday morning. We celebrate the, his exaltation to glory because he rose from the dead. So let's look at what that means here in our passage. Let's look at the significance and the implications of what it means for Jesus to be exalted. First, because Jesus died and rose from the grave, that Jesus rose from the dead, he has received an exalted state in his person. Look at verse 9. Therefore, right, because Jesus was, was humiliated, he humbled himself, he emptied himself, he took upon himself the form of a servant and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then Paul goes on to say, therefore, right, that because he humbled, now he will be exalted. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Two things I want to point out here. First, Paul uses the word therefore to connect what went before, and so one comes because of the other. The reason God exalted Jesus is because of what he did in being humbled and exalted. And that's what we looked at on Good Friday. He emptied himself of heavenly glory to become a man. He humbled himself in obedience to God, even death on a cross, And therefore, God highly exalted him. Therefore, God received his sacrifice. Therefore, God raised him from the dead. And in raising him from the dead, God exalted him. And how did he exalt him? The word Paul uses here, highly exalted, is actually one word. He super exalted. uh, Super exalted. More than exalted. Extremely exalted. Uh, Jesus by raising him bodily and physically from the dead. And this is the whole point of Paul's words to the Corinthians in chapter 15. If Jesus wasn't raised bodily or physically, then our faith is in vain and we are still dead in our sins. The whole point of the resurrection of Christ is that it is a full bodily, physical, real resurrection and not some ethereal, non-corporeal quote-unquote, spiritual, uh, uh, non-real, if you will, non-real resurrection as some would believe and some would teach. If Jesus is raised from the dead fully and physically, then we of all people, um, uh, we have the great hope of resurrection. But if, if he was not fully and physically raised from the dead, then we of all people should be pitied because our faith is in vain. Inasmuch as he is humbled, he takes on our humanity, he is raised from the dead and exalted in our humanity. And so this has two implications for us. First, it grounds our own hope of resurrection. It reminds us that Jesus is a preview, so to speak, a forerunner, example a guarantee of the power of the gospel to raise someone from the dead. And it began with Jesus. The same power that raised him from the dead is the exact same power that will raise us from the dead for those who believe in him, those who trust in him, those who receive all the benefits of Christ 
at first spiritually through the forgiveness of sins and, and uh, new birth, new life, uh, acceptance, adoption into God's family. And then on the day of judgment, we'll be raised up in the same way as Jesus was raised on that third day. And this is why Easter is such an important Christian holiday. It's a reminder that because Jesus died and rose again, we will too. Because our death, when we die, and our future resurrection is bound up and tied to inextricably in and with Jesus' death and resurrection. Because if he doesn't rise again from the dead, we will not either. But because he did, we will for sure. The Christian faith then is the only religion that has this vision of life beyond death, right? It's, it's a physical reality. It's a historical reality, bodily reality, that God is going to restore and elevate uh, this created order to what it was supposed to be. A second implication is that it also anchors the promise of future glory. That God not only promises to raise us from the dead, but in Christ he promises to raise us up to glory. That someday when Jesus returns, he will return and renew the entire cosmos. He will usher in the new heavens and the new earth, and it will undo all the evil and injustice and oppression of the world. He will undo all the death and destruction that arose because of the fall. He will undo all the suffering and oppression that, the, that plagues our lives even now. And this is why he gives us a vision of that exalted future, not only for our existence personally, but for the whole universe. That all injustice will be made right. All wrongs will be made right. Every sorrow will be turned into joy. Uh, John, see, the, the, uh, the Apostle John saw this vision in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of, God, of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And now listen. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Jesus' resurrection as the beginning of his exaltation is God's guarantee to you and to me of that future reality and hope. It's this hope then that motivates us then to enjoy our present life and to make things better. It motivates us to action and self-sacrifice because we know that we can sacrifice ourselves and we can give our lives because it's going to be raised from the dead then we can, do, we can give of ourselves now. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, a, a Christian apologist, uh, puts it this way, connecting the resurrection to, to our, our self-sacrifice and the helping of others. The strange claim of Jesus' resurrection offers us hope that evil will not ultimately triumph and that anyone who gives up uh, his or her life to follow Christ will find it. 
This belief, when drunk of deeply, motivates action. It motivated Christians in the fourth century to create places where the sick and poor could be cared for, places we now call hospitals. And it motivates Christians to sacrifice themselves across the world in in the service of others. And then she quotes the New York Times op-ed written by Nicholas Kristof, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writer. Nicholas Kristof says this, Go to the front lines at home or abroad in the battles against hunger, malaria, prison rape, obstetric, fistula, human trafficking, or genocide, and some of the bravest people you meet are evangelical Christians who truly live their faith. You see, it is this hope of future resurrection and glory that enables us to give our lives today to help others. Because if you don't believe in resurrection, if you don't believe in future glory that comes through Christ, and this life is all that there is, then everything is going to be about me. So I don't want to waste it if, if there's no future. But if you know that this life is not all that there is, you will lay down your life. Uh, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for one he or she loves. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And we can do that for others. Grounded in the hope of resurrection and future glory. This brings us then to my second point. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we not only have an exalted state in the person of Christ, but we also have an exalted name. The name that is above all names. Look at what he goes on to say there in verse 9. He bestowed on him... The name that is above every name. Now, doesn't Jesus already have a name? Uh, Throughout the Bible, Jesus has many names. In Isaiah, he's called Emmanuel, God with us, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, uh, um, the Almighty. Uh, In the Old Testament, you see that. And then in the New Testament, uh, he's the door, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the word the light of the world, the Lamb of God, the bread of life, the rock, the bridegroom, the Alpha, the Omega, the Son of Man. And so what is the name then that Jesus is referring to here? The key is in the idea of having a name, that the name that is above every name. It's a reference to the Old Testament idea of the revelation of the name. Not just any name, but the name the covenant name of God, the divine name of God, the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush and to the people of Israel at Sinai. God told Moses, tell the people that I am who I am sent you to them. It's the name Yahweh, the great I am, which we see in our Bibles written as Lord in in full caps. Now, some people think that this name uh, here Paul is referring to is is Jesus, and and that's also a viable option. But together, Jesus and Lord, what what Paul is saying is Jesus is Lord. And that's what we see later on in verse 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, this is the gospel 
in miniature, the gospel in three words, four words actually. Jesus Christ is Lord. So what does that mean? What is this name that is above every name and why is it important? It's because he is God. He is the fulfillment of the Old Testament name of Yahweh, the great I am. And this is what we see throughout the Gospel of John. This is why they wanted to kill him. This is why they accused him, the Pharisees accused him of blasphemy. He said, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the door of the sheep, uh, John 10, 7 through 9. I am the good shepherd, 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, 11, 25. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Chapter 14, 6. I am the true vine. Chapter 15, 1 through 5. And then speaking of his divine preexistence, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And you knew that people understood exactly what was saying because as soon as he said that, people picked up stones and wanted to, to uh, kill him with it. How dare you say that you are Yahweh? Uh, either, you know, it's interesting, C.S. Lewis says, you know, you, you can't just think of Jesus as a great teacher or a wise sage. Because some of the things he said uh, seems crazy if it's not true. But if it's true, uh, then we ought to bow the knee, right? He, there's, he doesn't want us to think that he's, uh, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is exactly who he says he is, the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, the great I am. And not only is he, does it mean that he is God, but it means he is Lord. He is the risen, ascended uh, Lord who sits now at God's right hand. He is the Christ promised from the very beginning, from Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And in doing so, he himself would be, his, his uh, heel would be bruised. He is the fulfillment of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through whom a king would come and, would, and he would become the father of many nations. He is the fulfillment of King David and Solomon and his greater son who would sit upon his throne forever and ever. He is the fulfillment of the Son of Man in the book of Daniel who ascends to the Ancient of Days, receiving all power, honor, and glory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, ascended and sitting at God's right hand and, and sends out his people who says, who says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. At his resurrection, he received this name, the name above all other names, Lord, God, Yahweh, the fulfillment of all the promises, all the types and the shadows of the Old Testament that are yes and amen in Jesus. Not only does it mean that he's God and Lord, but he is Lord of all. He's not just Lord and with no kingdom to rule, but he is Lord over all because there is no one else. This is why at his name, Paul goes on to say, this is why at his name, at this name, that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ 
is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that he is Lord of all as Savior or as Judge. Let me explain. This is a reference to Isaiah chapter 45, uh, in which, uh, in which uh, the, writer of, the writer of Isaiah uh, talks about, he, he quotes the Lord. He says, I am the Lord, there is no other. And the people will know me. And then he goes on to say, and the way that they'll know me is that every tongue, every knee shall bow and every tongue will pledge allegiance to that name. And one of the implications of that is uh, because Jesus is Lord as an objective fact, Lord over all, risen, ascended, exalted at God's right hand, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, a name above all other names, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And the question is, will we, will we bow the knee and confess with the tongue uh, in humble reliance, uh, in faith, so that we might be saved? Or in, in rebellious reluctance because we don't want Jesus to be our Lord and Savior? This is, this is uh, the choice we face. Paul says, this is what it means then to, to, to uh, believe in the gospel. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that when he returns, uh, you will be raised with him to eternal life. But if you refuse, here's the thing. This is why the Apostle Paul says, uh, in heaven or on earth and under the earth, uh, is that even, the, even, even, the, even Satan and even the devil, uh, even his, his demons, will also acknowledge who Jesus is. But they will do it not in faith, but they will do it reluctantly because they have no choice. Because that is who Jesus is. This is why uh, uh, the Apostle James says, even the demons know that Jesus is Lord but they don't believe it. They, they don't trust in him to save them. And so uh, that is what will happen when Jesus comes to conquer all those who uh, are with Jesus will praise him, will bow the knee and confess him with great joy and gladness. But those who hate him, those who reject him, they will do it begrudgingly. Because that is the reality of what will come. So this morning I want to ask you, well, where, when Jesus returns, how will you bow your knee and confess with your tongue? In humble reliance, uh, trusting in Jesus for salvation? Or will you do it in rebellious reluctance, begrudgingly, gnashing your teeth, uh, doing it because you don't want Jesus as Lord and Savior. You see what Paul, what the Apostle Paul is saying is, it's the difference between a confession of truth that everyone will have to give, or as a confession of faith, trusting in Him for salvation. This morning, can I invite you? If you're not sure. Uh, 
you know, you will have to bow the knee and confess with your tongue. And, and can I invite you? Would you do it willingly and gladly with joy? Bow the knee in humble reliance and confess with your tongue. And Jesus says, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So that when he returns, it'll be a thing of joy and not of, of, um, of, of fear. On this Resurrection Sunday, we, exalt, we, we celebrate Jesus' exaltation and glory when he received the name that is above every name. And with it, then, we have an exalted hope, uh, a hope not only of his resurrection, but of a uh, hope, an exalted hope of his name. And that, the exalted hope of his name, then, when we bow the knee and we confess it becomes an exalted hope of our eternal glory in him. May it be the hope by which we all live until Jesus returns, the hope that frees us to give our lives, to sacrifice our lives for the benefit of others, and the hope that carries us through even our darkest, saddest moments. All of you know, all of you have experienced some loss, haven't you? You've maybe lost a loved one, a grandparent, a parent, a friend, or a child. What is your hope in the face of that great loss? The gospel promises to you, it holds out for you, to hope that all those who put their faith in Christ, death will not be the end. Death will not have the last word. It just becomes a doorway to eternal life and resurrection glory. On March 27th, 2023, just a few weeks ago, a shooter entered Covenant Presbyterian School and murdered three adults and three small children. One of those children was Hallie Scruggs, the youngest child, the baby girl of their senior pastor, a fellow minister of a sister denomination, Chad Scruggs. I can't imagine the depth of the devastation of his loss. He was right next door to the school when those shots were fired. I can't imagine the depth of loss and grief that he and his family are experiencing. But upon learning of her death, he wrote this one sentence. Through tears... We trust that she is in the arms of Jesus who will raise her to life once again. Friends, brothers and sisters, this is the only hope we have in the face of death. May it be your hope as it was his hope. This morning we pray. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the hope that we have, the hope that we have in the face of death, 
through the resurrection and exaltation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That through him, because he died and rose again, we too then will die and rise again through him. Lord, may we have this hope. May May we be assured of this hope this morning that we would not leave here without that hope. Uh, that we don't know what's going to happen when we leave. But if we have that hope, we can face anything. Lord, would you bless us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.